Hello, beautiful human beings, or should I just say hello, hello? Great, it's great to have you back, and thank you so much for listening to my um, rather weird uh, introduction with my very fancy singing, but uh, let's just get into it. <laughs> so just like I mentioned in the introduction, um, in this podcast, I, I'm here just to talk about uh, feelings, to talk about my journey, my mental journey, let's just call it in this way. And um, about, basically my aim is just to simply, if I can just help one person by telling my story and offering the knowledge I have gathered and the little learnings that I have learned and then um, applied in my life, um, that would make me really happy truly. And it's, I know recently mental health is a, very modern topic to talk about, but I feel like most people and most posts in general, uh, most individuals, I feel like they're trying to go with the flow and not necessarily, without having necessarily gone through something which has affected the life of their family, their friends, themselves in the first place. And um, I'm just here to provide some authenticity and a little bit of honesty of how the mind can take us to interesting places, which is, um, it can take us to very dark places and also to very beautiful places. And I'm not talking about drugs, for, trust me. <laughs> so uh, yeah, here we are. So this episode is going to be about, um, I'm going to start telling my story and why, why I'm here and why everyone else who has gone through the, I think maybe you Generally, I think if I would go on Google Trends, I don't know if everyone has heard of Google Trends, it's basically a platform where you can write keywords and to see how much they were Googled across time. So I think if we would type in anxiety in Google Trends, we would see a quite a high trend, as just like I mentioned before, it's quite a trendy thing to do, to talk about it. But um, in this episode, I'm here to talk about um, my journey of Crazy anxiety, <laughs> crazy anxiety, I know it's quite a uh, rather vague term to say, but vague anxiety, sorry, strong anxiety for me means in my experience when I had it, which was in 2018, I guess, 2018, um, while I was in my final year at university, um, extreme anxiety for me was not wanting to leave the house, just uh, crying by the first thing that I see not wanting to wake up in the morning, wanting to sleep all day. Um, my friends would invite me out for drinks or they would invite me to just have a conversation on the phone or something super small and I would decline everything because I would just want to stay in bed and cry or watch TV or not even my parents, no one. So it's a complete social isolation that I've been going through. Um, that was extreme anxiety for me. Well, also this and also the fact that... Um, I wasn't planning to do it, but there were some thoughts around, I don't want to live, I don't want to exist, I don't want to live the day after tomorrow. So it was a, I wasn't planning to do anything, of course. Um, that's just, that was really out of my um, definition at the moment, because the mindset I adopted, luckily, is I didn't want to offer that suffering for my parents or my friends or, or the people who loved me. So in that moment, I didn't even take care of myself. I just didn't want the people around me to suffer. So self-care was really um minimum <laughs> so yeah so i'm gonna start from that point actually so i'm romanian as uh, some of you may know but i'm also half hungarian so in case some people um 
going to call Romanians. Don't worry, I'm also half Hungarian, so I guess that smooths things a little bit. I'm just making fun a bit of stereotypes, so don't, don't worry. And um, I'm from Transylvania, a town called Cluj, which I do love with all my heart, and I've come to terms of loving my town, and I guess I'll record an episode with that one too. But um, I basically come from a culture which is rather communist-influenced, as my parents and grandparents have... Um, spent their life basically in communism until in 1989 communism fell as they uh, sh- there was a revolution and they shot Ceausescu the ruler back then and my parents didn't my parents grew up in a very um, limited household let's just call it in this way I, my mom always tells stories of um, how having even a pair of Levi's jeans was luxury that you would get that once in a lifetime in that time and <clears throat> I'm sorry and um, how if someone got you Levi's jeans it was I would say like the MacBook today or something give me something fancy like a uh, I don't know how many carat ring so something quite unique something that no one would have ever thought that it could have gotten that also about uh, food they had to stay in queues to get bread for a whole day they would buy bananas and just put them on the fridge to get ripe so I guess any country who went through communism can relate to me and um, also can relate to me on the psychological level that, um, hey, look, uh, our generation grew up from a family who was born with having nothing. And here we are, the spoiled almost millennials, and we have everything. So it's a massive cultural conflict between our generations. So that's what I'm currently 22, 22. Yeah. And that's what I think many people my age can relate to with having parents, having grown up in uh, a political system which was uh, very tough, right? And that has, of course, massive psychological effects across generations. So my parents, and I guess my mindset too was when I was in high school, that you had to work, and you still have to, (laughs) you of course have to work like an idiot to get everything that you have which I still have and I'm proud that I have this this mentality I have to say I know it's roots but this mindset um, has the positives of working hard and ending up you being a passionate person for your job and you're someone who just gives it all but on the other hand um, on the other hand it uh, really creates the um, I can't recall the name of the syndrome, which is called, but just the mindset that you don't deserve anything. Imposter syndrome, that's it. The mindset of uh, you're not worth achieving something, just godlike people achieve it. Um, It's just not feeling worthy of what you achieve and not feeling worthy of what you have or what you do or who you are. So indeed, uh, such cultures have a big influence. So my story is deeply rooted in this. And um, really, this story is about going from anxiety to healing within um, almost two years, I can say, or a year, between a year and two years. And um, really, it's we all hear stories of healing and uh, how great it was, but it really takes a bit of, to having gone through that, to fully understand and to fully empathize with it. And um, I really hope that if I can share my story with you guys, Someone will be able to relate. Someone will be able to see, man, there's a door out there. There's sun. There is light. There is the water. There's 
little flowers growing in spring. There's the little bugs flying in the sky. There's always joy everywhere you see, and there's always happiness in every little corner of your life. So there is hope, trust me, there is hope. So my story. Um, firstly, let's just say that when someone has anxiety, I remember my friends would ask me, what's wrong? Like, what's that one thing which messes up your life in that big extent? And I am aware that friends always want the best for you, of course. But I feel like someone who hasn't gone through anxiety doesn't necessarily know that um, anxiety is not rooted in one thing. So it's not like, oh, I'm sad because um, I didn't get the grade in school that I wanted to get. It's really not like that. So anxiety is a contextual a contextual, let's just call it state. And it's very influenced by your experiences that you have accumulated across time. So there's no right answer. It just I'm going to give an example. Imagine a um, hive of bees. Of the little bees zooming around, zoom, zoom, and uh, there's little rooms. And you see this complex beehive with lit- various passages and various team members, let's just call it in this way. And those passages are not linear, they are not symmetric where the bees fly, right? And where they put the honey. Those passages are complex, they are interconnected. It's just a complex system. Think of anxiety as a beehive. It's multiple experiences which might have caused you small traumas or even bigger traumas and they have been all combined and now they just lead to a moment where your body erupts and they say, no, I can't deal with this anymore. And in these moments... um, Genuinely, I can tell you, um, either a friend who can be there for you, take some time, or I strongly recommend therapy. It does help. And don't feel ashamed to go out and seek help. I I know it's cliche. I know every account says that. But truly, it's... um, I know a parent would say, Oh, what is that psychologist? Uh, You know, an idiot. You pay him so much money and he's never going to do anything. Uh, No, (laughs) it couldn't be more wrong from the truth. Actually, I've had a very positive experience with therapy and I've been going in the past two years since I reached my peak with anxiety. And it's, it's, I'm going to be honest with you. It's my therapist, Diana. I, I owe you with all my, all my heart. I owe you all my life. You've changed my life and you just mean more to me than anything and truly your therapy sessions have provided me more value than university or any other individual has provided in my life and I'm really grateful and just for someone to bring you that mental sanity that you have been looking for for so long and to provide you that joy and to make you see the light at the end of the tunnel I cannot see anything better than that so anyone doubting going to therapy guys um just like Trump said, let's make America great again. I would say let's make um, therapy cool again, please. I Most of my friends actually go to therapy, which brings me great joy to be surrounded by a community of people who don't think that they are perfect and they always want to look how to improve themselves and how to become a better person. So I'm really grateful for that. So thank guys, I love you, really. All the people who are closest to me, I love you with all my heart and thank you for being here. So yeah, with anxiety, let's just go back. So um, long story short, um, where did it start? Finally, you're in university. Woo! So um, a Romanian, just like a moi. Um, I have moved to the UK in 2016 to do a bachelor's in management in the UK. And um, being a person 
who, firstly from a culture which is quite traditional and post-communist, who think that they don't deserve anything, because that's long story short, the psychological mindset that you have, um, going to a country, a Western European country, now not even European anymore, but just a Westernized country, where, I'm sorry, but you can find hummus with beetroot, hummus with apple, hummus with pepper, hummus with pigtail. Okay, I'm exaggerating now, but you just find the biggest luxuries that you could ever see. And every student in the university had a MacBook and only maybe one in 400 students had a uh, Windows computer. And the teachers would wear fancy clothes. They would have a fancy British accent. They would, um, in my uni, there would be a massive multiculturality that I actually haven't seen in my whole life. So in Romania, everybody's Romanian. And I was the most exotic individual, so I was half Hungarian, and I would be the idiot amongst Iranians because I would be different. Or between the Hungarian community and Romania, I would be the weirdo because I'm Romanian and I would have a weird accent. So, um, yeah, just going from one extreme to the other wasn't a easy path, now that I think about it. It's, it's never been easy, and slowly I start realizing how... Um, how all the things that I've gone through, they weren't actually easy. So, And I'm really proud that I did them. And I'm really, really grateful for the opportunity that my parents, they, they basically paid for my university. So I'm really grateful for that and for everything that they've done to me. And uh, yeah, so firstly, that part of changing cultures, big shock. Never lived far from parents ever since I was born, 18 years without seeing anyone. And then whoop. The chicken is transported to a different planet. That was me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was a massive change. Firstly, that one. <clears throat> and then secondly, um, this was, uh, for, sorry, like, let's just continue that point. So for me, that was a massive shock in the sense that um, I saw different people, different cultures, different mindsets. People were nice to me. Especially that um, this is the second point that uh, in high school I, like, maybe some of my classmates are going to hear this recording and they are going to say that I'm too weak, but uh, that's just how I felt. And I'm sorry if I hurt anyone's feelings, but um, I, that's just what I felt and that's my responsibility to take. Um, in high school I was very much bullied. Um, I wasn't a saint myself. I would uh, always speak up. I would be very outspoken, but I wouldn't. I would never tell people how horrible, like how horrible they are, or anything like that. I would, I would hit back when I was hit. But I would be told. I would have just one friend, and um, in my whole classroom, and um, I would be told in breaks. I would be told things like. Uh, we all hate you, no one's gonna ever love you, you're gonna die alone. Or I had one boyfriend that uh, I did have a good connection with, he was my best friend, but uh, I just realized we had different paths to go on. And classmates would tell me, why did you leave that guy, you're gonna die alone, he's the one for you, you're never gonna love anyone, no one's gonna love you the way that guy does. And look... Um, Possibly there might be no one who loves me like that, that guy does, for sure. But uh, I just didn't feel what he felt for me <clears throat> to that extent. So yeah, there would be just um, shit comments and then blocking on Facebook. And then uh, 
when I would get my final year grade, which I have worked hard for, man, I, I gained fucking seven kilograms before going to university studying for fucking high school. Really, it's, uh, um, it wasn't easy. And when I got a good grade, bullies would tell me that I paid the teachers and that I don't deserve it. So just uh, mean high school stories. And um, I'm going to be honest with you, it marked me to that extent that even now when I'm 22, it's been four years or even five, um, I have nightmares with those moments and I do dream with the bullies that have um, thrown shit at me, let's just say. I still do have nightmares and I wake up doing... I don't care. At the moment, personally, I don't care. But in my subconscious... <clears throat> I'm sorry. I still do have nightmares with uh, those people just saying those mean words and... Uh, just letting their heart out to someone because they don't have no one else to let their heart out to and bullying is fun right so which is basically not guys i'm just being sarcastic so yeah secondly bullying for sure um firstly culture shock secondly bullying then um fine <laughs> thirdly there's many more things but let's just say thirdly the university I've, that i've been to in my course management people were really competitive and we would have high-paying jobs. We would have um, big companies come up to us and be like, oh, there's so much opportunity for you guys. So well paid. You're going to become geniuses. And in the first presentation that we have received, guys would even, sorry, the uh, lead teacher. I'm not so sure how to call him. I don't know what he was actually, but he was a, an important person, let's just say. He would tell us, guys, you're going to become the future CEOs of the companies, which was really motivational. Don't get me wrong, but... It sets kind of an unrealistic expectation for a student who actually has no fucking clue about what they're going to do in the future. You know, I'm trying to say so. Um, try to be motivational, yet also realistic. So when that guy said, we're going to become a CEOs, I thought, man, in three years, I'm going to uh, I'm going to launch five companies and become the next Richard Branson or the woman who invented this Pandex or I don't know what, which people I do admire, but... I don't think 400 students from the same cohort will end up being fantastic CEOs and entrepreneurs. I just statistically don't believe in it. And we have to be realistic, right, and humble. So um, this element was just a little bit of over-marketing from the university and the massive competitive competition sorry, that we had between students. And uh, which basically means heightened expectations of what you will receive in your life. So in final year, when... The big question comes along of from your parents and friends, which is, are you applying to jobs? Where do you see yourself in five years? Um, which company? And if you say a startup, they're like, why not a big company? Or uh, it's just people's opinions about what you want in life. They were just um, surpassing my ability to resist. And uh, truly in a... Uh, a competitive environment is great for your portfolio, it's great for your CV, it's great for what you tell your friends that you've been to this university, tzaka tzaka. But actually, honestly speaking, it's a massive uh, mental weight. Um, people, when they hear you go to Cambridge Oxford, which I didn't go to, but they expect you to become the next Mark Zuckerberg, which is not necessarily the truth. There are definitely some geniuses, but not everyone is like that. And... Um, Ah, it's just uh, those expectations and people's opinions and all the other elements which <clears throat> were apart from my life added up. Um, they just uh, cracked me. 
I reached a point where mm, I would get into fights with my parents without, for that reason, because I wouldn't know what to tell them. I, one thing, I, I, I didn't know an answer. And there were so many options in front of me from that university of different positions, different companies, different jobs. And the thing is, when you would apply, the competition would be so high that you would spend two weeks writing a fucking CV and your cover letter especially, you would send it and the company wouldn't even come back to you. So I guess everybody who tries to apply in the UK job market or even any other job market where it's super competitive, you can relate. And it just got to me. It it crashed me. I, uh, I had no ability to manage. <laughs> so yeah, um, and I reached the point where I didn't want to practice self-harm, of course, but uh, I would have days when I would just think, is there a tomorrow? Why Why do I want to live when everything is just so negative, when I I don't see positivity? I I don't know what to do with my life. I What to do, where to work, what industry, what company? Uh, do I stay in the UK? Do I go back to Romania? No one understands me, um, because if I go back to Romania, people won't understand me anymore, because... I basically became a little bit of British university student eyes, if you know what I'm trying to say. So I'm not the same person that I was. Or if I stay in the UK, then the average British person wouldn't understand me or wouldn't relate to my background, which is Romania. So where do I fit in? Who am I? <clears throat> so these questions would uh, kill my mind, let's just say. And... Uh, Oh, it was tough, and I remember one day, um, I was actually in my bedroom with my boyfriend back then, and uh, um, I remember just being down and just having moment of, I broke down, and I just said, I need help, and I broke down in tears, and I, I said, I don't see the day for tomorrow, I, I don't want to live, and I remember then we cried, both of us, which I'm really grateful for him, and that he was always very patient with me, and... Um, yeah, and that moment made me realize, fuck, Hannah, you need help. <laughs> you can't just fucking sit here and make someone's life miserable because you are miserable. For the people you love, people who love you, like, uh, spare them that thing, at least, you know, which it's it's not the thing, it's not the way you should think, but um, friends will always be there for you. But if you're not doing it for yourself and you don't want to do it for yourself, at least start by doing it for someone else who you love. And then you will learn how to do it for yourself and love yourself. So that was the moment when I have um, realized I need therapy. <laughs> and I remember calling mom and saying the next day, mom, I need help. I don't feel okay. I need to talk to someone. I need a therapist. And I can't sleep. I burst down in tears randomly during the day. I see a lecture about the dark side of the web because we talk about technology and there are some people talking about self-harm and I can't I can't watch that because I break down in tears so I need to see someone and that was the moment when actually mom was of great help mom mom helped me she found me a therapist which I up to this day see <laughs> which I'm really grateful for and she's amazing and um, without her where would I have been Hello, hello. 
so um, thank you so much for listening to part one to this uh, little series of From Anxiety to Healing. And um, I will be back soon with part two where we will discuss and I will present you the journey of self-healing that I've gone through and how from this rather sad state I uh, luckily got to a point where I wouldn't say I'm perfect but um, I do have I would say on an average of in 30 days I have 28 days of mental stability (laughs) of course I still worry and I get sad but otherwise most times it's actually great so see you soon hasta pronto